0: Welcome to Wealth Well Done. Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast. To be honest, I didn't know if I was if we were going to make it here, but we've hit number 20 now. So Wealth Well Done podcast is where we go after the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. Um, last week, we had Jay Link on to discuss God and Mammon, and uh, we got into some, some good pieces last week here. And uh, Jay, I am real excited to continue that conversation here with this next one. I think this one... Um, last week definitely applied uh, heavily to everyone here as we got into stewardship, but this one uh, will probably be some more practical um, tools as well as some information. That I'm guessing it isn't isn't that um, well known. So looking forward to this, Jay. Um, thanks again for being on for for this one here. Um, as we get into this disclaimer, as always, you know, please take this as as uh, not as financial advice directly to you, but as a resource for you to grow in your knowledge, and then work with your financial team. Pray into this and decide how this should apply to you. So um, we're we're gonna. Jay's got a really extensive background. We covered that a little bit last uh, last week. We're going to get toward the end of this. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the organization that Jay has going today, and when and um, how you can get in touch with him toward the end of this. But I want to jump right in, Jay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you in in your literature in the writings that you have, um, you dismantle many of the misconceptions around the tithe, and so mm-hmm. for the most part, if if you ask a if you ask a Christian today what the tithe is, um, typically the best answer you'll get is I should give ten percent to the church that I go to, maybe you know ten percent to the place I'm being fed. Uh, mm-hmm. is that gross is that net I don't really know it says the first fruit well what does that mean am i giving top line revenue or mm-hmm. or you know 10% of the net profit and, and on with that obviously before tax after tax we got to figure mm-hmm. out all these things that's that's where most Christians go today mm-hmm. can you summarize how Christians should approach the tithe today uh,
1: y- yes let me let me start by giving you an uh, a practical illustration if, if your, if your wife, I'll just since I'm a guy, if your wife were to say, uh, if you really love me, I want to see a dozen long stem red roses on the kitchen table every Friday at noon. If you really love me, that's the way you can do it. Now. Initially, you might think, "Okay, well, that's that's fine." So you go get a dozen long stem red roses and you leave them on the table to prove that you love uh, you love your wife. And then next Friday you do the same thing, and the next Friday you do the same thing, and the next Friday you're a little busy, so you ask your secretary to go get them and have them delivered. And before long, not too many months after this, you're thinking, "This has really not become an expression of my love. It's just become a it's just become an obligation that I've got to fulfill." And and yes, I love her, but it's the, the the it's, you know, she's telling me what I have to give instead of me thinking about what I want to give. Well, many times that's what tithing, the concept of tithing uh, really does is it's it's the law. I mean, it's written in the law. It's the law for, uh, in, in the Old Testament. And, you know, it's, it's when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all that to go away. And I know though people that argue, you say, well, this goes back to Abraham and I'm not going to unpack it. I've written several articles on tithing that's on my website uh, even a tithing quiz, 25 questions about tithing. You'd be fun to take it. Uh, and they are and just
0: see- right in on that for any listener. They are really good. And Jay, just go after that right now while we're on that. Where can people yeah. find that? Uh,
1: if they just go to stewardship and then just type in up in the search bar, just type in tithing quiz and it'll take you right. It'll take you right to it. Uh, and, and again, the, the, the God offerings never were intended. I mean, you know, there's tithes and there's offerings. You hear that phrase all the time. Mm -hmm. The tithe is your obligation and the offering is what you give because you want to. Well, in the, in the, and I'll just give you some of the flaws with the tithing. You pointed out several of them, is it on your gross or on your net? Well, they're also putting money away in your retirement plan. So does that mean you should be also tithing the amount that goes in your retirement plan and they're paying for your health insurance. So should that be also be included in that? And you can see it just, it just gets down to ridiculous to where you're not giving by lo- out of love. You're giving uh, by computer, you know, you're giving by calculator. Uh, okay. And that's, that's. Not an expression of uh, of relationship. That's just just paying a bill. In fact, many people even put their their church giving on auto pay, like they do their utility bills. Right. Well, you know, and now I don't even have to think about it. It's just being taken care of, and I'm paying God His bill. And and you'll even hear this in churches. And again, I'm not criticizing any churches. I'm just saying what I observe. Where you'll even hear them on the off during the offering time say, "Now, if you're a guest here." we don't expect you to be putting anything in the offering plate this is for the members you 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 maybe have heard that <laughs> well let me ask you a question if giving is an act of worship why which it is by the way and there's an also i got another article i wrote on giving as an act of worship uh, if giving is an act of worship why would you be telling people that are visiting your church we don't want you to worship with us on this part of our worship service you see, the very way they describe it is this is, you know, this is the membership dues for being a member of this church. And if you're not a member, then you get a guest pass this week. Right. If you ever become a member, then you're going to have to start paying your dues. And we're going to expect you to pay your dues. And your dues happen to be 10% of your, your income. And you can figure out, you know, m- figure out what, what that looks like. Uh, and that isn't at all. I think what the New Testament teaches, I think if there's one verse in the New Testament uh, that that is probably the, the definitive explanation or description of what uh, what New Testament giving is, it's found in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's, that's the New Testament motivation for why I want to give. But even in the Old Testament, Nobody would ever go to the temple uh, without bringing a sacrifice. You didn't go to the temple to worship God without bringing a sacrifice. So when you think, when you when you hear churches say that that's, that over fifty percent of our church gives nothing uh, to the Lord in an offering, I'm thinking you got a serious sin problem. I mean, this, this you know that that's just sinful to say. Well, I'm going to come and worship the Lord, but I'm not bringing any kind of a, a sacrifice. And you notice the word that they use there is sacrifice that might give you a clue what the what it, it's something that I'm going to have to do without I'm making a sacrifice to show you that I love you as opposed to I'm going to you know, I'm going to tip you ten percent. That's less than we give waitresses when we go out to eat. I mean, <laughs> right, come on. Right. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, and, and God does a little bit more for us than a, than a waitress when we go out to
1: eat. I'm 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 thinking that that's exactly right. So the the, the and see and here's the problem: if somebody is not giving ten percent and they're being taught to give ten percent, whatever they're giving, they're feeling guilty. Yeah. Because I'm not giving the ten percent. In fact, some people even refer to uh, Malachi three ten. It says, "Look, you're living under a curse if you're not, t- you know, if you're not bringing the whole tithe and the stress. He wasn't even talking to. He wasn't even talking to the Jews. He was talking to the Levites that they weren't bringing the ten percent of their ten percent that they were getting to the t- to the temple to feed the priests that were taking care of all the uh, the temple things. It's mean, a long long story. The quiz will well, the quiz will enlighten you. Enlighten you, but the, that that. You're not living under a curse, so you're feeling guilty. If you're giving exactly 10%, you're feeling satisfied. I'm I'm giving what I owe. And if you're giving over 10%, you're feeling proud because I've I've broken through. I'm I'm giving 12% now. I'm giving 15%. I'm giving 20%. Well, let me ask you, which of those questions do you think most pleases God in regards to your giving? Guilt, satisfaction, or pride? (laughs) You, (laughs) you, You can't. You see, as soon as you say, this is the amount that you're expected to give. You have robbed that person of making a love gift.
0: Which even in the Old Testament, then when you get to the offerings, they 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 got to bring offerings. Which they, that's I, right. I've heard commentaries. I've never gone through and, and tried to calculate this myself. But I've heard commentaries from others that that those offerings, um, when it when it talks about the tithe and offerings, like you might be talking anywhere from what may you know may equate to. And I don't know anything on on how solid these numbers are but 40 to 60 percent of what someone might have made could could go toward offerings with that so unless you've got better you know more detailed numbers on what you maybe you do outside of that like i'm I'm not trying to tell people that's the standard here but i just know it's it's bigger than
1: yeah Yeah, the key the key word the key word in the old testament is free will offerings yes in other words i'm going to bring what i choose to bring to demonstrate my love and affection for the god who has redeemed me You know, it's just like, you know, if the wife says, give me a dozen flowers every week, well, it doesn't take long before. That's not an act of love. That's just filling your responsibility and your obligation. It's just duty. And you know you're gonna, and you don't wanna suffer the consequences of not having a dozen long stem red roses on the table at noon on Friday because your wife's gonna be furious with you if you don't have those there. Well, that's not the kind of relationship that God is calling. And that's not the kind of, of giving that we're talking about. But then you add on top of that, that we're not giving back to God what he's given us, okay? Because it's not ours to give back to him. We're just simply making available some of his resources for his purposes of all the resources that we manage for him. It really changes the whole feel uh, of of what giving should should really be all about. And and I think, you know, somebody says, well, how, how much should I give? Every man should do what he's decided in his heart to give, not drudgingly because you have an obligation, or not under compulsion because you're going to you're going to you're going to uh, suffer, you're you're going to you're going to have all kinds of horrible things happen to you, uh, but because, but but you give it out of your joy, a joyful heart. And, and the key things, and you may, may or may not know this, Eric, but the word uh, where he says God loves a cheerful giver, the word cheerful there uh, is the word hilarion in the Greek. It's where we get the word hilarious.
0: Okay.
1: God loves a hilarious giver. Now, I, I can just tell you right now, when my wife tells me I owe her something. I don't get hilarious about it, but when I can think up something special that she's not expecting, that's more than she would have expected, and it's going to be a blessed surprise to her, I can get pretty wound up about that. Wow. And that's, and that's, that's because we're in a relationship with him. He's not the judge or the bill collector. It's, he's, he's, he's our God. And so we want to be free to be able to give. As much as we want, as much as we can, and make sure, sh- and as a demonstration, look, I'd, I just want you to know that without you, I wouldn't have any of this stuff. Yeah. This is all yours. And so the question is not how little can I give and get away with and get God not be mad at me. The question I think we need to more fairly ask is how much should I spend uh, on myself and and. One of the best stories, and it's a quick story, but I, I want to share with you, back when I was 27 years old, just a young preacher, just fresh out of Bible college, and uh, and and I was preaching at a little small church in Kentucky, and uh, it was, I mean, this was a church of maybe that on a if the place was packed, it'd hold a hundred people, you know, a little rural country yeah. church. That's, you know, I, I wasn't, no, I wasn't any, any big deal. Of and I was standing up there on, on the, in the, the pulpit, putting my notes up there some Sunday morning. And Jimmy Mitchell comes running in the front door in the back of the church and comes running up and he's waving a bill in his hand. Uh, And he, he runs up to me and he holds up this dollar bill. And he says, and he says, Jay, Jay, look at this. And I said, Jimmy, where did you get that dollar bill? Now, again, this was 55 years ago, you know, but so you got to put it in the context of the dollar bill. And, he, and I said, where did you get that? And he says, well, you know, I was mowing our yard yesterday and and our neighbor, Mrs. Jones, she doesn't get around very, very well anymore. I just decided it. I had plenty of time. I decided to go ahead and mow her yard for her at the same time as one mine. And when I got done, she she came out and she gave me this dollar. And I said, first dollar he'd ever made. I said, Jimmy, that's so good. I'm so proud of you. Uh, but that was, that's real. I'm just, that's just wonderful. And he says, you know, Jay, I'd, I'd like to give some of this dollar to God. And I said, Jimmy, I know God would be so pleased that you would want to share some of that that dollar with him. How much do you think you'd like to give him? And I remember this was like 50 years ago. And I remember just like it was yesterday. He looked at my eyes and then he looked down at the dollar bill. and He looked back up into my eyes again. He said, do you think he would mind if I kept a dime? Wow. Do you think he would mind if I kept a dime? Now, can you imagine what the kingdom would look like if that was the attitude (laughs) that God's people had, do you think you would mind if I kept 10%? You know, people say, well, what is the, what is the right percentage? And I said, I'm going to tell you what the biblical percentage is, but you're not going to want to hear it. Right. And you know what that biblical percentage is? 100%. That's what you owe to God. 100%. Now ask me, how much should I give <laughs> of what I owe? You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because because he says you've got to give up everything. You know, when, when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you've got to give up, you know, give up all your possessions. I don't think he means by that that he that he's telling everyone that you have to give away everything you've got moving that, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes and live like a beggar for the rest of your life. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think what he's saying is if you want to be my disciples, you have got to surrender the ownership of all the possessions that you have and return them back to the rightful owner me and live like they're mine and not like they're yours. If you want to be my disciple, that's what you have to do. And when, and with the rich young ruler, uh, we, we, we missed the best part of that story. You know, the uh, rich young ruler comes up, you know, the story, uh, everybody will, uh, what do I need to do to inherit your life? Well, you got to keep me. Oh, I've done all of that. Well, it, the liar, he's a liar first, sure. you know, right off the bat. So he's already broken one of the commandments. That should not bear false witness, but you know, let's just say that he never, he, he really had. And, and he's, and he's, and Jesus said, well, there's only one more thing that you, you lack. And he said, go sell everything you've got, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And and he went away sad. Now, what we forget, that's the way we hear the story. But there's another phrase in that line that Jesus said that we miss entirely. He said, go and sell everything you've got. Give it to the poor and you will have tre- come and follow me and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus was not asking the rich young ruler to give up his riches. He was just asking them to send them on ahead. Right. He said, look, we've got more important things to do right now than you to be managing all of this real estate and all of these investments and all of this wealth and all of these servants. Go get rid of all that and come and follow me. You'll have it later. You'll get it back. And not only are you going to get it back, but you're going to get it back forever as opposed to for the rest of your life here. And then you're going to leave it all behind because there's no U-Hauls behind a hearse. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, the, the, the rich young ruler blew a phenomenal opportunity to have both. It wasn't a matter of either Jesus or riches. It was a matter of Jesus now and riches later. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, send, you know, send up your treasures in heaven where Roth, moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. God's keeping track. When we give money away, he's keeping track of it. And when we get up there, we're gonna get it all back. I don't know what that means exactly, but you know, there there is going to be a reward and he's keeping track of what we're doing with what it is that he, we, we're managing of his resources, that's both scary and compelling all at the same time. Yeah.
0: Well, and the type of ROI that, uh, that the Bible <clears throat> outlines is, if any if anyone on earth try, tries outlining that kind of ROI, then you should run the other way because it, it, it yeah. rarely yeah, doesn't yeah. work like that. So.
1: Yeah, the uh, only guaranteed return on investment is uh, into the kingdom. That's the only way that you can be guaranteed you're not going to lose money, uh, and you're going to have a return on that investment. Amen. All
0: right, so let's let's dig. I'm going to I'm going to fire some maybe some shorter questions at you because I've got yeah. some other stuff I want you to explain. Okay. What is the true purpose of giving, fin- financially speaking? What is it? What is the reason for giving? God owns cattle on a thousand hills. Yep. Why do we give?
1: Well, first of all, I think the biggest reason is because this is the way we live. And God's saying, you're not, you can't live like that. You have to live like this. Okay. As, as someone said once, I can't remember who, it's okay to hold things in your hand. Just don't hold them in your heart. Very good. And so this, this is giving is the antidote to, uh, to affluenza. It's the only uh, uh, antidote, you know, and if you want to, if you want to just get, Get some really rich passages of Scripture to to, to meditate on and think about. Read Second Corinthians chapter eight and chapter nine, the whole of both chapters, yeah. and then go over and read First Timothy chapter six, starting in about verse six to the end re- of the chapter. It is going to blow your mind, and you're going to find out the exact. I'm not. This is not my idea. This is God's idea. The way the way that you can prove to yourself and to God that things don't own you is for you to be able to let go of them freely, and to be able to say, Lord. If you want it all, if you want it all today, no problem. Just make it clear and I'll be, I'll be, I'll obey. That keeps it from getting into your heart. Now all you're doing is you're just being a responsible steward. You're keeping in your hands and they're open and available for deployment. Anytime you say that they need to be deployed. And in the meantime, I'm going to try to manage them as carefully as I can and be ready to deploy them later when you, uh, you give me directions to be able to get, that is the most fun way to live in the, that you can imagine.
0: All right. So yep. good. All right, I don't. I, we could park on every one of these questions, <laughs> um, but I, I've got more stuff that I want to know for myself, and hopefully the listeners get something out of this too. How do you recommend Christ, uh, Christian approaches? You know, dividing their giving between their local church or or wherever they're being fed, whatever church, you know, whether it's local or some online ministry um, mm-hmm. or you know other godly organizations. How how should they? Is there is there a rule of thumb that they should use to decide how to to divide that
1: yeah well most most churches legalistic churches would tell you the first 10 percent belongs to the church and anything above that you can give anywhere you want to give it's a nice idea but it's not in the bible
0: which by the way on the tithing piece um we're not taking time with this now maybe i'll t- take some time on another episode but uh jay, jay in one of jay's pieces he does a real great job of illustrating tithing was a land tax not not what we mm-hmm. think of as today so sorry that's yeah. a no we'll come yeah. well i'll admit to that <laughs> later
1: Yeah. So, so, but, but if you want to just say, if I, if I were to go to the Bible to get an answer to that, uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit uh, boring because what I'm going to tell you is the same thing I told you before. And that is God, where do you want me to deploy your resources? And if the church and the parachurch organizations and the Christian universities saw them as kingdom, all kingdom entities that, and, and they don't have a zero, a zero sum game mentality, but have an abundance mentality. The best thing that you can do is to get your people giving as much as they can to as many places as they're directed by God to give. And I can guarantee, I will guarantee any church that if you teach that type of mindset in giving, the church will have more than it has now. It'll have more. When, when I was at Taylor, one of the things that was interesting is uh, I was meeting with some parents in a, a discussion group that I was supposed to be leading. And I said with Taylor, I said, Taylor hired me. And they said, uh, you don't have any people that you have to go out and see. And we're not and you don't have any fundraising quotas. Your job is to just simply go out and help our people be good stewards of what God has entrusted to them. And we'll just trust God uh, to, to, for that. That will somehow benefit the benefit the university. And I said, so I don't care where you give. It doesn't matter to me. My job is to show you how to give and how to give most effectively. It's not my job to tell you where to give. Wherever God leads you to give, that's where you need to give. And, and one of the gentlemen looked at me and said, if that's really Taylor's attitude, that makes me want to give more to them than ever before. Absolutely. You see? So it's, it's this abundance mentality. We got to get ours before anybody gets theirs. I'm going, That's that's not even a healthy attitude The the attitude ought to be there are billions, trillions of dollars of undeployed funds that are sitting out there. If we just all uh, concentrated on serving people, discipling people and teaching them biblical stewardship, the floodgates are going to open up and everybody's going to have a surplus.
0: All right. Let me let me cut you off there. Man, I want to keep going with this. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay. The 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 question that got me into, that, that helped me find you in the first place, obviously the Holy Spirit to help me mm-hmm. find you, but the question was, as I was reading Matthew, you know, Jesus says, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing when it, when mm-hmm. it comes to your giving to the left, you know, and so we take that as to say, all right, well, you know, do all your giving and through my donor advice fund, you know, it comes through, you know, my name's not on it, my address isn't on it, they, mm-hmm. no one knows that that gift came from me. Except, mm-hmm. except you know, Charles Schwab, my accountant, and God. <laughs> but then a couple, you know, couple, you know, a chapter later, Jesus is now talking about. um He's talking about you know, let your light shine before men, so they can see your good works. Mm-hmm. So that's what led me to you. Can you yeah. help us yeah. understand that?
1: Yeah. First of all, it's in the reverse. Oh, the, I let your marks. light okay, sorry. before men comes first, and then Jesus talks about the giving. Okay. And not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I think the the, the first thing that's important to understand is what Jesus is talking about in regards to not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's using the Pharisees as a bad example. And he says, they go out and they blow trumpets uh, and they make a big deal about it. There's a big show going on, everybody's impressed. They get the applause of men. And he says, he says they have their reward in full. Do you understand what that means? Your giving isn't credited to your, your kingdom account. It's credited to your own account. So if you make a gift to a uh, to a, uh, an organization and they put your name on a building, Jesus would say, you have your reward in full. You have your reward in full. You've gotten the recognition you wanted from men. And then he goes on to say, don't do that. Don't be doing your giving to show off so that people will be impressed with you and, and how generous you are and, and say, so don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, that's obviously figurative because I don't think it's possible for me to do something with my left hand, my right hand doesn't know what's going on. I mean, it's, I, I only got one common brain and they're both connected to the same thing. So it's figurative language, you know. Right. Uh, and, and if you look, he, in all three, when he talks about, uh, when, when he talks about all three in, in uh, Matthew chapter seven, he talks, he gives us three examples. And in all of them, he says, do it in private, pray in private, fast in private, give in private. Don't be using it as a show. Uh, you know, so comb your hair when you're fasting and don't let anybody know you're fasting because then you're 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 going to be your, your reward. You got your reward, you know, and and same thing with praying. Don't pray out on the streets. Hallelujah. Let everybody listen to me and everything I got so that everybody think, oh, my, he must be such a spiritual person. He says, go in your closet and pray. So what he's talking about his motivation there for why you're doing what it is, these spiritual things that you're doing, and if it's to get praise of men, he's saying wrong. You you failed the test. Do it if that's your if that's your temptation. Do it in private. Do it in secret. You know, do it alone so nobody knows that you're even doing it. So that your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. So that's that's the context of that Matthew okay. chapter seven. Over in Matthew chapter uh, six fifteen. 5, 5 16 i'm sorry in, in matthew 5 16 jesus again this is the same sermon on the mount same sermon so i mean this this is all in one context he says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and 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 do what so uh, that they will appla- so they will applaud you so that they will give you praise so they will think highly of you what's it say
0: if I so glorify God is what comes in. So
1: that you will glorify our father who is in heaven. Yes. Got, okay. Got one right. <laughs> this one's talking about where the glorification is supposed to go. That one's talking about where the glorification is not supposed to go. Okay. okay. So, so on the one hand, give. so, so God, Jesus is not teaching us that secret giving is, the, is the pattern that we always ought to follow. What he's saying is, is you've got to judge your motives. Because I can tell you right now that one of the, I mean, think of all the great philanthropists that have lived in history, the J.C. Pennies or the R.T. Letourneau, uh, and, and those people, I mean, godly men that were giving 90% of their income away and everything. And what an inspiration they are to, to thousands of people of that, that you can do it. You can actually do it. Well, would you, would you say that, oh no, the, the kingdom would be better if those people would have kept that all a secret? Not. no no they would have the, we would be poorer if those great generous people in history uh would have done it all secretly now here's here's the key Eric okay we need to learn to become a reflector and a deflector okay now let me explain what I mean by that we need to be reflectors of God's love and we need to be deflectors of man's praise okay So when someone, so when I give a check for $10,000 to some organization and they, they want to thank me for it, my response is, don't thank me. It wasn't my gift. I'm just, I mean, you can, you can thank me for being obedient and delivering the check from the father of lights from whom all good gifts come, but it's his gift to you, not my gift to you. You see? And so we're able to deflect it and say, if you want to thank someone, thank, thank God. That's, that's Matthew 5 16. Do your good works in such a way that they'll see your, their, do your good deeds in such a way that they'll glorify your father who is in heaven. I think it's, the, that's, uh, that's the deflecting, you know, yeah. the, we want to deflect man's praise uh, and we want to reflect God's love so that, and, and frankly, I'll tell you, there are times when I think it is, it is not only appropriate, it is absolutely best for you to personally deliver the gift so that people can see Jesus with skin on. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm okay. saying? Yes. So that they actually, it's not like, well, someone somewhere out there in the ethernet or world, something showed up and everything. No, look, I'm looking at Jesus with skin on. Jesus with skin on is delivering this gift. Now, I think the whole key is, does it does it inspire them and encourage and bless them? Or does it embarrass or humiliate them? If it's going to embarrass or humiliate them, like sometimes giving to the pork can be, you know, it's better for you, them not to know. So they're not going to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be indebted to you forever. Well, that's the worst thing you could possibly say, right. uh, to me. I don't want you to be in, you don't be indebted to me at all. You're not indebted to me. Uh, but on other times I want to make a gift and I want them to know where the gift come from because I'm going to hold them accountable to make sure they use that gift for the way that I gave it.
0: Yeah.
1: And if they don't know where it came from, there's not, not a whole lot of accountability there. You, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I think, there's, I think there's times when you would give anonymously, and I think there's times when you wouldn't. And you know how to decide which is which? Ask the Father of Lights how he wants his gift delivered. Just ask him.
0: <laughs> and you, that, that is really good. Thank you, Jay. Um, there's a, Bruce Wilkinson has this book. Uh, I think this one is... You were born for this i think is, is the one and in the beginning he, t- he shares a story of him giving i think to a waitress and and he talks about he gave it out you know this isn't from me and, you know this is a friend who told me to look for this opportunity and, and you know basically at the end he, he describes you know, this is god's pocket that's how he calls it so it's god's pocket. so yeah i think that is that's really good all right uh, i want to dig into one more piece getting getting a little bit technical here now you have outlined, um, you, you've got a mastered stewardship plan, and and I want to encourage people to go to your website. I want to encourage people to to dig into into the organization and see uh, what this actually means. And so maybe you give a we give us a plug there to that, and then I want you to walk through the example. So in your example, you talked about um, the creative plan where someone had seventeen million dollars um, could go to the kingdom zero dollars $0 go to taxes and 12 million goes to the children. And so I want you mm-hmm. to walk through that. You know, tactically speaking, how does someone yeah. give money away? So we're already, we're above, you know, inheritance tax levels here. How does money, you know, or estate tax, you know, know how
1: much yeah. state
0: you're in, but we're, we're above that limit here. How does someone give give money away and have it not go to taxes?
1: Yeah, well, the, the first thing that people need to understand is that estate taxes are optional and capital gains taxes are optional gift taxes are optional, and only those people who don't know how to do otherwise are going to pay them. Because, And, and here's the question that I typically ask families. If you had to choose between giving a million dollars to the federal government in taxes or giving that same million dollars away to charity uh, and Christian ministries, which would you prefer? They don't have to think about it very long. Not difficult question. And, 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 and my question is, Is well, why do you think everybody isn't doing that? And the reason everybody's not doing that is because they don't know they can because their attorney or their accountant or their financial advisor doesn't even, doesn't know that that's even, even possible. And, and so, they
0: typically don't get paid for it either.
1: Yeah, well, right. I mean, that's you not, know, that's the, a
0: whole nother piece, but we don't need yeah. to go into that.
1: The, the, yeah, the assets under management, if I show you how to give $10 million away, your cash flow is going down. So advisors <laughs> sometimes have a negative incentive for getting people to be generous. Right. Uh, going forward. That's, But that's another, that's, not a, another,
0: that's another topic. Another topic. Okay, okay, so back to, uh, back to yours.
1: So, so the stewardship planning process is uh, a service that we built. I built forty years ago, in walking families through uh, a, a very careful and intentional process. And I, and I will tell you that the stewardship planning process is far more spiritual exercise than it is a financial or a legal one. Uh, the financial and legal is just the stuff you have to do to make the outcomes be what you want the outcomes to be. But it's really, first of all, identifying God, what do you want me to do with what you've entrusted to me? And how, do, where do you want these funds deployed? And who's going to steward these resources uh, after I release them, and are they going to be good stewards of the resources uh, that I'm tu- your resources that I'm turning over to them uh, uh, to manage? And and so it's a very intentional, slow, uh, and careful uh, uh, process. And f- frankly, I can tell you that if you had a client that was a billionaire and he wanted to get all billions to the kids, which probably is not a good idea, but okay. if, if that's what he wanted to do. I could show him how to. He could pass a billion dollars down to the next generation, with no gift taxes, no estate taxes, uh, and avoid all the capital gains taxes, and instead be able to give that money away to charity if he, if they would rather do it that way. Uh, and so it's, it's a, it usually takes us about a year from the beginning to the end process. We work with all the existing advisors. We do a complete analysis of the current plan. Then we design a plan that helps them to accomplish the goals and objectives we've helped them to work up. And then we supervise that plan and help them to implement that plan to carry it out because, and, and here's a, here's a, a fact, Eric, that I, I think your, your, your folks might, uh, uh, might be a surprise to them. In 40 years, with virtually no exceptions, I have learned that a person's personal net worth, and remember, it's not their net worth, the the net worth that they're managing of God's resources is equal to, or their charitable giving is equal to or greater than their current net worth. Their total giving capacity is equal to or greater than their current net worth. So if you had a family that was worth $50 million, When we get done designing the plan, we're going to probably, we're going to be able to show them how they probably have way more than $50 million to give away. Starting now, going over the rest of their life, giving of income, giving of assets, and then testamentary giving, uh, bypassing taxes and funneling those funds over to the, uh, to the kingdom. If the, you know, a hundred million, it'll be at the numbers, a hundred million. So to give people just a little idea of what their giving capacity is, which they would, most people just, their mouth drops over, they say, you can't be serious. You know, somebody's worth a hundred million dollars, say, my giving capacity uh, for over the rest of my life is a hundred million dollars. The answer is yes. And they said they don't even know how to begin to think about how they would give that kind of money away. And so it is really a profound life-changing experience to then take these stewardship principles and apply them into planning and doing it from a biblical worldview instead of a secular worldview.
0: All right. Is there anything, so I imagine that there are going to be listeners who have talked to their financial advisor, their CPA, their lawyer, and that just doesn't even seem like, that. it seems like you're selling snake oil at that point. That, that doesn't work. <laughs> Can you, without without you giving away yeah you know, everything and, and, and disincentivizing someone to even you reach out to you and work with you because we want, if, if people are, if people are at this stage and we want that, I want to encourage you to, to work with Jay. He's the real deal. Um, and with his, his team there, but, um, but can you, can you help someone understand how, how that actually works to, to some degree? Uh,
1: I think the, the, here's a couple of things I would recommend. Number one, uh, I've written several books, but the book that I think would be the most helpful, and it's a relatively small book, and you've obviously read it because you asked the question about that particular case study, is the book called "To Whom Much Is Given," and it's a stewardship guide to godly decision making. It's only ten chapters, but it's the ten stewardship dilemmas that real high capacity families have. I think that will be a good starting point for you to be able to read, and it's going to talk about some of the, you know, giving capacity, but it's going to talk about all the other things that make making these kind of decisions so difficult uh, to be able to do that. Uh, And then if you want to just email me, I would be glad to send you some other materials that explains the, the process that we take families through. I mean, I'm not personally doing that work anymore. I'm working in another part of our ministry, but we have an entire team of people that does work with you know, high capacity families helping them to do this, uh, this kind of planning. And we'd be happy to con- connect you uh, with them if, if this is something that you wanted to do. Okay, But it's, it's, and then if you go to the website, I mean, you literally, if you want to, there's a whole section in there on advisor training and there's 23 classes, video classes that I created uh, to teach financial advisors how to do this very thing that I'm talking about doing with case studies at the end and all the procedures and everything. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to keep any secrets. You know, there, there is no secret sauce. I have a sauce, but it's no secret. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm telling anybody and everybody about it because, uh, when the tide rises, everybody's boat goes up yeah. and that's what I'm trying to do for the kingdom.
0: Okay. How do people get a hold of you? Or, uh, or if wanna, you want to direct them?
1: Yeah. Why don't you just send it to my email, my ministry email, and it's the letter E, the letter G, J-Link, J A Y L I N K. So it's E-G-J-Link at, uh, at Stewardship. No, no, I take it back. That's my old other one. It's the letter J-Link, L-I-N-K, just the letter J, J-Link at StewardshipMinistries.org. Okay. And you can just shoot me an email if you have any questions or I can send you some additional materials. And then you can pick up that book uh, to who much is given on Amazon is probably the simplest thing to, uh, simplest place to get that. If, uh, if you want to read a little bit more on this.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the uh, wisdom, all the, all of the years and hours that you've put into studying this and and accumulating this wisdom and then, and then passing that on. So I definitely encourage listeners to, um, to go, go to these resources and and just look through the stuff that he has, uh, especially that that tithing one was very well done. And then that I think once someone gets a hold of that, they'll just understand. Oh, there's so much more to this than what I thought. So, Amen. Um, okay, thank Amen. you, sir. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you. You know, listeners, again, if you if you're finding value with this, please share share with someone else who who you think may may also benefit from this. So, God bless. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Eric. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player, and together we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.